0: Hey, welcome to You Had Me at Black. I'm Martina Abraham zalunga Today we'll hear from Quinn, who searched for a reason to live after losing her child and her partner. Here's what happened. You're listening to You Had Me at Black. Black Light in the heart of the city. Black. man, black. Listen, bl- bl- man. Black. black. <laughs>
1: this
0: is You Have Me at Black, and we live, baby.
1: Y'all look so beautiful. Let me just add all this melanin movement, edges, lip gloss. Like, I appreciate it, and I just love black people. Hi, tribe. Hi, everybody. So... My story begins February 16th. It's the day that I've been waiting for. It's finally my fiance and our baby shower. Of course, we had to have it during Black History Month. We're marrying our matching Bulls jerseys. Mine has my name on it. His is like red, white, and black. We cute as fuck. My siblings are wearing matching referee shirts. My mom's wearing hers with a little dollar store whistle. And you can smell the hot dogs, the nachos, the cotton candy, popcorn, it's sports themed. We're having a boy, a junior, David Quentin Flynn. He's an alpha, so you know, they strolling. And I'm a Delta, I can't duck walk while I'm pregnant, but okay, so wrong, Ooh. I can't duck walk while I'm 38 weeks pregnant, so you know, I'm just cheering every on from the side and stuff and it's lit, it's bussin'. We end the night, I'm finishing up my, another pregnancy book, and my fiance leans over and he kisses my swollen belly, saying he can't wait to spend the rest of my life, his life, with our son and me. Everybody begins counting down the days when my son will arrive. His due date is March 10th, and I'm excited to have a Pisces. It's February 27th. And this is the day of my final ultrasound. And this ultrasound is very important because this ultrasound will determine if I'm delivering my son vaginally or having a cesarean because I'm a diabetic. And so, having a high risk pregnancy, all the doctors make sure to take preventative measures to make sure that my son was okay. So, I was essentially in the hospital at the doctor's office all the time. They knew me by name, what I usually ate, which was always chicken tenders and flame of hots so on the low. And they always knew me by my hair when I would come in because I always came in right on time. So I'm at the ultrasound. The technician, she smeared some more jelly on my stomach. And she's like, how was the shower? I said, it was so cute. You know, everybody came out. My pasta came. We didn't have no food left. Like, it was so nice. And she said, oh, okay. And I said, yeah, like, I can't wait. Like, I'm just so excited for him to finally be here. Like, I don't want to be pregnant anymore. Like, this is like the end time, right? And so I'm putting back on my jacket and I'm getting ready to get up off the table and she says, Quinn, just wait, just wait. And I said, why, is everything okay? She said, well, you know I'm just a technician, I'm not the doctor, so just wait. Okay, you know, I'm cool. I lay back down, the chief radiologist comes in the room. I haven't seen him before at any other appointment. He, spears, he smears more jelly on my stomach. Quinn, when is the last time you felt your son move? Yesterday. It was actually after I ate a full home running pizza while watching Law & Order SVU. I ain't eat nothing this morning cause you know I want to make sure it's on time and chicken tenders don't actually be sold until 11. Quinn, we can't find your son's heartbeat you're having a miscarriage, or in this case, because you're 38 weeks pregnant, a stillborn. I don't remember much after that, except being wheelchaired upstairs to deliver my son vaginally. My mother came frantic, holding the Bible. My brother, who was an up and down atheist, is finally praying, and my fiance. Well, that's when the embarrassment came in. The shame, that annoying silence filled the room because this was the day that we were all looking forward to finally hearing the news. You're gonna deliver your son. My son was born March 2nd at 4.42 a.m., six pounds, 11 ounces, David, Quentin, Flynn, Junior, We have a service for my son, March 17th, and my fiance's family is not there. And this is the first sign that I know that our relationship is not the same. Fast forward to April 15th, I just came back from Ohio, a much needed Delta trip surrounded by my chapter, surrounded by love, and the first person I think about is my fiance. Baby, let's go see a quiet place. Let's go to 87, get those chicken tenders. Let's kick back, like, let's have some fun. All right, baby, let's go do that. I'm at 87, I have our tickets. The movie started at uh, 1.10, and I'm the person that doesn't like to miss previews, so I'm blowing it up. He doesn't answer. When he does answer in text, he says, I don't wanna see the movie anymore. Instantly call. Why don't you wanna see the movie anymore? I just don't want to. Can we talk about it? Can you just come to the theater? He pulls up, doesn't come into the theater, pulls up in the parking lot. I come out. What's wrong? Silence. You know when you get that itchy knot in your throat? Like you know you are about to hear some fuck shit? and you know something anxiety-causing is literally rising up from your toes to your throat, and you want to cry, but you don't know why you want to cry, but your body is telling you something is about to happen. Quinn, I can't do this anymore. I'm no longer in love with you. Instantly, I think there's three reasons why he's doing this. One. Because the day after we had the service for my son, his mother tells me and him that God killed my baby as a sign of us not being together. He's a mama's boy. Two, while I was gone, he must have had a taste of the single life. He must have cheated on me again. Or three, all the above. Either one, I'm numb. Arguments ensue, cursing out, and he kicks me out the car, and I'm left to see a quiet place by myself. When I get back home, my, well, ex has blocked me on all social media, has blocked his number from my phone, and the only way of communicating that I have left is through email. This is Monday morning. I should be getting dressed to work, and my mother comes in like, Quinn, you know you gotta go to work by eight. And I said, yeah, I'm just not feeling good. I'm gonna lay in the bed. She said, okay. My brother comes in, Quinn, you want to ride to work? I said, no, nah, I'm, I'm gonna take a sick day off. This is the day that I decided that I was gonna kill myself. Because at this moment, by April 15th, everybody had abandoned me. My son, my fiance, and my God. Why would I want to stay here? Who am I staying here for? Because at this moment, everything that God had told me was going to happen didn't. So fuck God. Fuck my ex. Fuck this life. But, I still had a scheduled therapist appointment and I didn't want to end things on bad terms. So I decided I'm going to still go to therapy, at least show up so she knows that black people do, you know, say what we're going to do. <laughs> when I'm in my Uber, I see me past the Walgreens and I said, can you drop me off right here? I get out, go to the aisle and buy two bottles of sleeping pills. I take one full bottle and a half with some smart water because I'm bougie like that. I head into my downtown therapist's office, doped up, drugged, just not feeling anything exactly the way I felt it. She's nice, she opens the door, she says, Hi, you know, how are you? And I said, I am great. She begins to, you know, ask the intake questions. I cut her off and I said, "You know what? I can I can't even lie to you. I kind of already decided that I don't want to be here anymore. I'm I currently swallowed a lot of pills." She said, "Why?" I said, "Because I don't I don't want this life. How do I fix this? Everything is gone. Why do I want to deal with this shit anymore?" The trauma that you have experienced, Quinn, is definitely a reason enough to not want to deal with this life anymore. But do you really want this to be your last day? Here? When I do wake up, I'm in the hospital. My therapist had called my mother, and she's over the bed, weeping. My brother is at my feet, trying to make sure I'm awake, and my best friend's hands are covered in throw-up after I threw up the pills. I stayed two weeks in the hospital. I finally get the sleep and the peace that I wanted. Because you see, after the service and in between the time of trying to pick up the pieces of my relationship, I didn't really have anybody to talk to and I didn't really want anybody to talk to. I was mad at everybody. I was jealous of every mother, including my own and my grandmother. Everything was triggering from smells to clothes, to water, and especially the sun itself. I tried to find a support group, but there are no support groups for mothers who have experienced giving birth or having a miscarriage on the south side of Chicago. The only one that I did find was all the way on the north side. And I went into there thinking that I was gonna find the solace that I needed, but instead I was surrounded by couples of rich white people. All who have multiple children still. And that just pissed me off even more. And I tried to go to church and my pastor's telling me, you know, God, gives the toughest battles to his toughest soldiers. I didn't want to be a soldier. I wanted to be a mother. So here I am, two months later, and to be honest, I still don't know why God took my son And to be honest, there is no reason sufficient that God could ever tell me why he did. But I do know that God is God. And I never actually praised God when things didn't go my way. I always praised God when I got the blessings or when I got the job or when I got the money, but I never praised him when my venture card didn't work. or when my mama just whooped my ass. (laughs) And I definitely didn't praise him at my son's funeral. I also know that love is love. This brilliant, complex emotion can never be encapsulated by any person, by any baby, by anything, because love itself is a spirit that is manifested by God, and if God is good, love is good. Love didn't break my heart. It was that nigga. Third, self-love is a destination. It's not just bath bombs, making sure that your edge gel is laid, or going out and twerking. It's going to therapy. (laughs) It's going to therapy. And admitting as full of magic black women have, we still break. We still can be strong and still be weak. And it's time that as black people, we acknowledge that. So thank you for sharing my story.
0: This episode was mixed and mastered by Miles Dotson. Purposely Awakened is our national media sponsor. Their publication launched in the summer of 2016 to bring awareness to issues affecting the Black community and to promote Black businesses, campaigns, and movements. They fulfill their mission and purpose with socially conscious images, apparel, and content that promotes positive change within the Black community. You can find them at PurposelyAwakened.com and connect with them at Purposely Awakened on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. The Tribe Chicago is our Chicago media sponsor. The Tribe is a digital media platform showcasing innovative content to reshape the narrative of black millennials in Chicago. Their original works in journalism, documentary, and creative writing capture the multifaceted essence of black Chicago from our point of view. As an independent alternative news source, they unify black Chicago millennials in the common purpose to create a safer more vibrant Chicago. You can find them at the tribe.com, that's T R I I B E, or on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. Thanks for listening to You Had Me at Black. If you want to hear more stories like this one, leave a
1: review. You're listening to You Had Me at Black.